Welcome to Sex Ed with DB. I'm your host, DB. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the podcast. If you love and support the work that we do, head to www.sexedwithdb.com and buy some of our hot new merch. Follow us on Instagram at sexedwithdbpodcast. And if you want to advertise with us, shoot us an email at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. In today's episode, I delve into youth advocacy in Texas and reproductive justice education with the wonderfully brilliant and inspirational Leslie Lopez. You may recognize her name because she's Sex Ed with DB's former social media intern, and we were so, so lucky to have her. She's incredible. Leslie is a first-generation Black Mexican-American residing in North Texas, and she's the host of Tejana Feminist Talks, a podcast centered on learning about social justice topics and unlearning harmful ways of thinking. Leslie is a reproductive justice educator and currently works in communications and fundraising at a national reproductive justice organization. You can find her on Instagram at Tejana Feminist and the podcast at TF Talks Podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Give it up for Leslie. Want to tie your partner up in bed but don't know where to start? When you want to get a little frisky and brighten up your sex life, Try Emojibator's new rainbow bondage rope, safe for restraint and suspension. Whether it be their classic emoji vibrators, silly pasties, or fab beauty products, Emojibator will deliver. Find all of their body safe toys for pleasure at Emojibator.com and use code SEXEDWITHDB for 25% off your purchase. Follow them on Instagram at Emojibator. Have you had trouble getting birth control during quarantine? Meet Pandia Health. By people with uteruses, for people with uteruses, and led by a doctor, Pandia Health makes your life easier by bringing birth control by mail. Pandia Health offers free and confidential delivery of the pill, so you don't have to go out of your way to get the healthcare you need. Skip the trip to the pharmacy. Go to pandiahealth.com. That's P-A-N-D-I-A health.com and use code SEXEDFREE to get a free telemedicine appointment for the first 50 people who sign up. Follow them on Instagram, at Pandia Health. Offer only valid in Arizona, California, Florida, Texas, and Wyoming. Creating a homemade dildo or a usable copy of your own penis is rapidly turning into the new standard in ultra-custom sex toys, thanks to Clonawilly. Clona Willy has been all about dick since 96 and brings you a DIY penis or vulva molding kit for your favorite sex toy or memento. Whether it be for a birthday, Hanukkah, or just because, Clona Willy is the perfect gift. Use promo code SEXED20 for 20% off your purchase at www.clonawilly.com. Follow them on Instagram at clonawillykit. Leslie, hi. <laughs> I'm such a loser. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Leslie. I can't believe we have you on. You're the freaking best. How are you? Oh my god, I'm so good. I'm really excited to be doing this. What an honor, truly. Oh my god, the honor is all mine, <laughs> Les Dog. Um, okay, let's let's begin by you sharing your name, your pronouns, and what you do. Sure. Um, so my name is Leslie Lopez. My pronouns are she, her, ella, and I am a reproductive justice educator. 
Um, and I'm currently working at a repro org um, where I do communications and development work. Um, but like on the side, I'm also the host of Tejana Feminist Talks, which is a podcast that I'm sure I'll be able to talk a little bit more about later. Yes, you will. And what's the name? <laughs> what's the name of the organization that you work for? I work for All Options. So um, they're a nonprofit that basically provides people support through all of their parenting, pregnancy, abortion, and adoption experiences. Um, so we're very much like here to support people through all of their like reproductive experiences and the feelings that come with that. Incredible. Um, as some of you may know, who are listening, Leslie is in our credits because she was our social media intern and we got to know Leslie very well this summer and we are so in awe of her and are so excited to delve deep into your story and your passion. So, so, so grateful that you're working with us this summer on the podcast and uh, really lucky to be able to get to know you a little bit better today. Um, let's get into your background. Um, how did you become passionate about repro justice? Um, what was your like aha moment if you had one? Yeah. So I really like to define things before I like get into them. So we're all on the same page. Um, so reproductive justice for those who are not aware, um, is a term that was coined in 1994 by 12 black women, um, because the reproductive rights movement was not taking into account that abortion being legal is not the same thing as having access to abortion. Um, but not only that, but you know, black, brown, and indigenous people still face other systemic issues. Um, and so the sister song definition is that reproductive right, reproductive justice, excuse me, um, is a human right to maintain personal bodily autonomy have children, not have children, and parent the children we do have in safe and sustainable communities. So that kind of like encompasses a lot of different things. Um, but like that aside, my personal like background is that I'm a first generation Black Mexican-American. Um, my mom is from San Luis Potosí, which is in Mexico, and my dad is from Dallas, Texas. But I was raised by my mom's family in a really religious household. And I feel like that's kind of how I entered into like social justice and like repro work without even knowing. Um, since I didn't get the sex education I needed at school um, or at home, I mean, we didn't talk about sex like ever. I remember when I got my first period I was like in elementary school and I was so excited for some reason yes and I remember <laughs> I remember telling my grandma I was like you're not gonna believe this and she was like we will not tell anyone and I was like oh, oh no yeah and it it was just like really I don't know like just from the get-go there was like a lot of like shame around like bodies and that like I definitely like carried that with me um and as I got older, I got, like, more problems with, like, menstruation. So I have endometriosis, and I didn't know this until I was 17. Um, but because of that, I, like, started going to a gynecologist when I was, like, 12 or 13. And I was put on birth control. And my mom was like, we cannot tell anyone about this. Like, if this gets around in church. And I was like, what are you talking about? Aww. Yeah. Um, and it was, like 
like looking back, I just think of like the different times throughout my life when, you know, having a comprehensive sex education, whether that had been provided by my family or at school would have really helped me feel more confident and also feel like very at peace with my body because I feel like that's been, I've just had like a lot of trouble with that. That stems from like, just not ever talking about these things. Um, But yeah, so like, I didn't have like one aha moment. There was like multiple. And I think that when I finally got to college and got um, actually like applied to this reproductive justice internship program um, called the Reproductive Rights Activist Service Corps. And they like flew me out to go to this conference um, in Massachusetts. And like there, like, I remember going to like panels and workshops that were about like environmental justice and like LGBTQ plus liberation and all this stuff. And like, they really pieced it together for me. And I was just like, oh my God, like this is like my political home. Um, so yeah, I mean, just a lot of different things that like led up to this moment. And then like, since then I've just been, um, educating and advocating. So, yeah. Oh, thank you so much for sharing all that. Um, (laughs) and that's so sad that like so many people share your story of like getting your first Mm -hmm. period or when you like first wanted to have sex or when, you know, there are so many firsts that like young people go through that are not supported by family members. And I think that sentiment Mm -hmm. is one that many people can understand and agree that like most people don't get the care and the support that they need, not only in schools, but at home because of religion, because of taboos. Um, So I think your story is, is one that definitely resonates with, with others listening. Um, okay, let's talk about what you're currently working on, which is activism around the Texas State Board of Education's revisions to the state's sex ed curriculum. Um, mm-hmm. Can you talk about what's going on in Texas and how it's progressing, how folks who are listening can support this work? Yeah, okay, so what's currently happening is like really monumental. So whenever I tell people in other states to like guess when the last time that the Texas State Board of Education revised our current sex ed curriculum people are usually like oh like five years ago or like 10 years ago um but the truth is that the curriculum hasn't been updated since 1997 oh um oopsies that's that's too long um I was born in 1998 so you know it there's like like we're laughing right because it's like that terrible that like it really has not been updated and the thing is that the current curriculum is like lacking so much already and so it's like a great disservice to people especially like young people who maybe are getting like some sex education in school because the reality is here in Texas most of us are not it's abstinence only if our like school district decides to teach us um and I have like I mean I've heard it all like you know people saying that like um their teacher put like Cheetos in water and was like would you drink the water it's like no okay yeah exactly like that's what it's like to have sex like no one wants you like oh yeah 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 not the Cheetos like (laughs) literally anything else (laughs) it's like like I feel like people here go 
to such extremes to really shame and like stigmatize so many things um, revolving around sex education. And like, we see the consequences of that every day. Like, um, yeah, so like right now we're advocating for significant changes specifically about contraception um, and like other forms besides condoms and like pros and cons so people can really make the decisions for themselves. Um, We're also advocating for STI prevention and consent and sexual violence prevention. And actually, um, in the last testimony hearing, there was a lot of pushback for consent, which was like really mind-blowing. Currently, the curriculum does not include a definition of consent. And one of the board members at the last hearing called it a red flag word (laughs) and said that it was associated with pedophilia and sex trafficking and grooming. Excuse me? I'm sorry. Where did this person get their information from? Like, is this, are they okay? Like, that's completely incorrect. Yeah. And, and like, it's so absurd because it's like, well, I can tell you didn't get comprehensive sex ed because <laughs> here you are on Case the board. In point. Yeah, exactly. Like you've proven my point. Do I have to keep going? And, you know, like we're also advocating to add abortion and sexual orientation slash gender identity information to the curriculum, because both of those things are not on there whatsoever. Like there's no mention of abortion. Um, or any information that would be helpful to LGBTQ plus youth. And it's like, growing up, I saw myself not reflected in that. I know many of my peers didn't as well. And so it's like, cool, the current sex education that you can get in Texas is like abstinence only, right? So you're going to be shamed. Um, You're going to be stigmatized. If you're LGBTQ plus, you're not going to be included. So like what exactly is the point of this? Because we know like young people have sex, like we know that. So it's just like really harmful, not just the way that it's talked about, but also like the way that it isn't talked about. Um, And I think like waiting 20 plus years for this to be like revised is already long enough. And obviously the time where they decide to revise it is during a pandemic. Um, And so a lot of the work that we're doing is trying to get people to understand why this is really important um and like why they need to show up yeah can you talk through a little bit like what it's like like what are these hearings like what what how do you find out about them like what how many happen until an actual decision is made like I want to hear like on the ground what that looks like yeah so right now there's two organizations that have really been like taking the lead with this and that's how I got involved One of them is the Texas Freedom Network, and the other one is Jane's Due Process. Um, And so at the end of June, it was like the first testimony hearing. And the reason, the way I found out about it was through Twitter. And like, I follow a lot of like organizers and um, people were saying like, oh, like there's going to be a hearing like where you can give testimony to advocate for all the changes that we want in sex ed and I was like hold up what is happening like why is this such short notice but like do we actually need to ask like obviously like if not a lot of people know about it not a lot of people show up to testify exactly just they get their way yeah um and I was really lucky to be able to um 
like sign up to testify. And that first um, hearing, there was over 10 hours of testimony. Uh, So more than 150 people testified. And each person has two minutes. Two? (laughs) That's so I was trying to do the math in my head. Like, you know, those like the geometry, like kind of like math, like, like meme. Like that's what was happening Mm -hmm. in my head. Two minutes is nothing. Yeah, it's literally nothing. And so you essentially have to tell like your story, like move them to like make a change in those two minutes. And it's like, what? And also like, there's not just people testifying for revisions. There's people testifying against these revisions. And so you have some like really wacky people going off about like, oh, consent means this or that. And it's like, what are you saying? Like, do you, do you like, what, where are you getting this information from? And there was even this one person who was like, very like homophobic, transphobic, was just like not having it. And like, everyone else has to sit through this, right? And like, listen to like, these people who do not want young people in Texas to have access to comprehensive sex ed. Or like, there was even like, people talking about like, their own abortion stories, like having to go through the judicial bypass process, like having to go out of state, because there was like, a lot of restrictions or like the closest clinic to them was not like, like, you know, like around the corner from like where they live, like things like that. Um, and like, it's very clear, like that the um, current board is like predominantly Republican and conservative. There's and is this the board of education in Texas. Yeah. This is a state board of education. Yeah. Um, so I think there's 15 seats and I believe like eight of them maybe are like um, Republican. Like, and so it's like, yeah, it's just very clear that like they're trying to push an agenda on like the rest of the state. Um, But anyways, back to that first hearing, um, people testified like, I think it was like past midnight. I I remember I testified at 10 p.m. And my original time was at, like, 5.45 or something like that. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then they bring in, like, experts, you know? And it's like, you're not an expert. Come on. Like, this person is, like, you somehow managed to, like, find them on, like, Craigslist or something. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) And, yeah. So, it's, like, you have to sit through that. And then, fine. Like, people are able to testify. And, you know, we really made it clear the types of changes that we wanted to see. And then in early September, um, they're like, okay, we're going to have another um, testimony hearing and we're going to present like the draft so far. And they presented this draft. There was like some significant changes, but again, like no mention about abortion or sexual orientation or gender identity. And then the State Board of Education also says that they will not allow people to speak after 9 p.m. So we spent 10 hours last time, like, giving testimony. And I think, like, the time slot for this was, like, five or six hours. Like, it was not a lot. Um, And so, again, like, trying to get people to, like, sign up to testify. Um, The day of, like, was, like, really wild. I mean, essentially, like, people are just waiting for their turn. 
Um, and it was like not the first um, item on the agenda. So there was like other stuff being covered. Um, and yeah, the, the Texas Freedom Network, um, they were like, if they don't let people testify after like um, 9 p.m., we're going to have our own hearing. So they had the people's hearing and it's over an hour long. You can watch it on, on their Facebook. Um, and yeah, so like regardless of whether the people who represent us wanted to hear us, like we were still out there like um, saying what we needed to say and letting people know that like this is not just something that they can sweep under the rug. Um, so yeah, I mean, essentially it's like an all day thing. It just randomly happens, but there's also like other actions taking place throughout. Um, so like a lot of it encouraging people to write letters to the editor, to like their local newspaper, um, right after like there was like a Twitter storm towards the representative or the board member who, um, was saying all that stuff about consent. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's pretty wild. Ugh, big yikes. Major, <laughs> major yikes. And serious kudos for you and everyone else who is really making steps for change. That cannot be easy to, like, present to people who are, like, unwilling and unable to, like, really understand you and hear you. And the fact, like, I got chills when you were like, you know, if the people that are, who are representing us, like, are not going to take us seriously or hear what we have to say we're going to do it anyway and we'll create the space and like we'll create the community to do that um mm -hmm. and then the last question I have on that though is like when do they decide like is that coming up soon like when is that yeah so they actually decide I think it's uh the second or third week of November um and I was under the impression there would be another like time to give testimony like to testify against whatever changes or for, you know, being optimistic. Um, but that's not happening. So um, I believe that once those changes are, are made and they have their final draft, we'll be able to see it. But um, I actually really don't want to speak on if it will like immediately be implemented or what exactly will happen. But um, like I said, Texas Freedom Network and James Stu Process do a really good job of keeping people up to date on what's happening. So if there are folks who are listening who are in Texas and are interested, I really recommend like following them and staying up to date um, because they will send out like action alerts. Like I know that there is um, different like texting um, opportunities, like texting people to like vote for or not vote for um certain board members because like like a lot of the positions are going to be up for re-election um so yeah I mean honestly just staying up to date and like understanding that like this is what's currently happening like there's a lot of stuff happening in the world right now but like this is also really important um and so I, I really do recommend people like find a way to just stay up to date would you ever think about running? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, Is that a honestly, kooky question? I just, I don't think so, to be honest, because I feel like there's a lot of, like, compromising you must have to do. And I feel like being a reproductive justice educator, I've been able to see, like, change happening, like, in front of my eyes, like, 
just with providing people the space to like learn from each other and so I feel like in a way that's slightly more valuable than like doing this but I'm still gonna do it because I still think that like you know I don't know I just think like electoral politics is like very like garbage is that the word garbage garbage absolutely (laughs) Absolutely, bro (laughs) yeah I mean you said it yes yeah yeah. So it's like, you know, there's like things happening outside of like the this system. like yeah, exactly. Um and I've had conversations with like family members and like community members and I I feel like when you talk to people instead of at them, like there's like a lot more that you can do, like a lot more opportunities to create change. So yeah, let's let's get into that really quickly because I have some questions around like your organizing background. So you amazingly defined reproductive justice in the beginning of this interview, <laughs> which I really appreciate. Um, but I'm also wondering, like, what is reproductive justice education, and why is it such an essential part of organizing? Yeah. So, like I was saying before, like whenever you create a space where people can learn from each other, I think like that is really valuable. Um, And so that's what I mean when I say reproductive justice education, Um, having this space where people are able to ask questions um, and learn not from someone directly, because I feel like this has happened to me before, like being seen as someone who knows a lot about reproductive justice and is like, almost like the point person, right? If you have a question, just go ask Leslie. And it's like, well, what if we all learn so that like, we don't have to do this, but also like, I don't know everything. Um, And I think that like reproductive justice, I mean, it encompasses like abortion access, but also disability justice, like abolition, environmental justice, like LGBTQ plus justice. Like there's so much stuff that falls under this. And so, I don't know, I think like, this is important because everyone has to start somewhere. Um, And I also think that education is just incredibly important regardless of what movement space you're in because everyone has to be on the same page. And I just don't really see like the value in like having someone say, oh, I know everything, come ask me, and, like, gatekeep that information, if that makes sense. Um, So, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think within reproductive justice, I've noticed that, like, the movement really values community and, like, all of our, like, collective liberations. And so it just would not make sense. Like, it would not be inherently, like, like reproductive justice-y to like gatekeep if that makes sense yeah no it totally does you are Mm -hmm. so wise Leslie so wise and I love learning from you and with you um it's a it's a real treat um thank you moving right along so fans of our Instagram account will have Mm -hmm. most definitely seen your amazing infographics about reproductive social justice etc um, tell me about your different approaches. You know, you, you make graphics, you have a podcast, which will come up in a couple questions. Um, and you do student education, you do organizing, like, how do you find all of these 
things that come together to really make knowledge accessible to people and to young people? Yeah. Um, so I've been on like social media since like, I don't know, like I was in like middle school. No, I think like fifth grade, to be honest, like <laughs> you <dog>. definitely <laughs> that 10 year old that like made an account that was like, huh, I was born in 1908 or something. You know? <laughs> um, but because I've grown up with it, I've seen how important of a vessel it is for like dispersing information. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually last year in like July of like 2019, um, I felt like really moved to like create a space or like to try to use my Instagram platform to like educate people on reproductive justice. And it wasn't because like I have a big following or anything because I definitely don't, but hey, it's it was not, just it's like... not small. You got, you're climbing, <laughs> you're climbing up there. Um, it's not like, like sex ed with tv tiktok you know okay but like, <laughs> that was literally you're doing also don't no, be fooled don't leslie stop. will blow up your tiktok <laughs> oh my god um no like i was i had like just finished i think like my first year being involved in like reproductive justice and i found myself to have like accidentally been gatekeeping information and I didn't want to do that. Like, I I just, like, kind of had, like, this realization that was, like, oh, this is something I'm doing. And, like, it feels really gross. And so then I was, like, okay, well, like, let's do something about it. Like, I'm not just going to, like, feel bad and, like, you know, like, self-pity. Like, let's actually do something. So I, like, started doing research on, like, the different topics um, that are often talked about within reproductive justice that I thought were important for people to know. So then I started making these like infographics on Canva and the first few were kind of rough, but like I got into it and people were actually like, Oh, thank you so much. Like, this is like really um, informative. And I was like, great. I'm, this is great. Um, And at that time I hadn't seen that a lot, like on Instagram. Like I know now there's a lot, a lot of infographics. Yeah, which I think has its pros and cons because one of the like cons of it is like oversimplifying information, which is like that is true. Truly like one of my like nightmares to like oversimplify and condense things so much that they really like lose the history, which I feel like I mean like the parallel is like being in school and reading like US history. Like you don't get everything. You right. get like very limited view. Um so then I was like, okay, well, like, what else can I do? And I was already, like, doing student education at this time because I really wanted people on campus, like, on my university campus to find their own political home or something that they could call a political home. Um, and I had always wanted to start a podcast. Um, I actually remember coming across Sex Ed with TV and I was like, oh, my God, this is great. Like, literally binge listened. And I remember... I yeah like it was like so great and I was like okay this is like amazing um what can I do to like deliver information to people about reproductive justice but like reproductive justice in Texas because I think a lot of people really like diss Texas and are like oh like you know like all this like terrible stuff going on down there and I'm like yeah but there's people organizing like you don't see this right but 
Texas is huge and there's communities that are organizing for change everywhere. And so I was like, okay, like I'll run with that. But at the same time, I still want to like have a space where I can openly make mistakes, which was so scary um, because I'm like perfectionist, like trademark. Um, (laughs) But I was like, okay, fine. Like we'll do this. But I also think when you openly make mistakes, it's almost like it allows other people to do so as well and to like be okay with that and to acknowledge like, okay, yes, I made a mistake and we're going to fix it and we're going to keep it moving because learning is like something you do forever. Like you don't ever stop. And so it was just like taking all these different approaches to reach more people to, you know, really like spread this information in a way that wasn't jargony, like, what I had been reading or like learning about like in college because that was like really annoying to hear people talk like about theory and like in such a way that was so disconnected from like the experiences that I had had um so yeah I mean I feel like it's worked (laughs) I think I think it's it's um been good but can confirm can confirm (laughs) that it has worked um that's awesome that's and Mm -hmm. I completely agree with the jargony stuff like while I was in my master's program there were so many times where I felt like the study that we were reading or the research that we were checking out like did not match people's real experiences and I was always just like okay like the scientists and researchers are completely disconnected from like what people are actually needing and like there's there's something missing here but like there's not a translation piece of like oh now that we have this information this is what we can do with it to like actually impact people's lives for the better um yeah 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 exactly it's just kind of like it's almost like like I feel like academia sometimes like does a thing where it's like okay this is like my little passion project but I'm actually not going to take these findings to like better these communities it's like just me and then I'm like like you're not going to be able to read the study if you don't like pay for like whatever you know so exactly um let's get into your pcast um Tehana Feminist (laughs) um is pcast not kosher (laughs) let's call it let's call it a podcast um and your platform right Tehana Feminist Mm -hmm. so I want to know like what what's your mission who do you like have on what do you talk about and how can listeners who are listening right now um hear more from you sure um so yeah like I was saying Tahana Feminist Talks is like an extension of like my brand, if you will, Tahana Feminist. Oh, I will. <laughs> um, and basically, I interview young Texans um, who are doing the work in their communities um, because I think people need to hear about it and like it's really important. And whether you know it or not, like there are people who are like, advocating and like fighting for the change that they want to see um and so I've been doing that and I also like read books or um cover different topics that I do like extensive research on and then I'm like okay let's take all this and like actually make it so people understand what I'm talking about um and that's been really fun um like I think that it's just been really rewarding to see people like say like oh I like 
didn't know that or this episode like I referred back to it because of whatever is going on um so that's kind of what I've been doing and um the like first season if you will is like over but um I am planning on bringing it back in like November December um and like keeping that same like structure of like interviewing young people here in Texas and also covering other topics um that I'm interested in that other people are interested in um so that we can learn together and you can listen on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, it's just Tahana Feminist Talks. And on Instagram, it's at TF Talks Podcast. I am just <laughs> consistently in awe of you and just am so like, I don't have like any right to be proud, but like <laughs> am proud and just like think it's so cool that you like heard our podcast and like like reached out to us and you're like I like your podcast and then like applied to our role like for our social media intern and like now we're connected and I just want to like support you in like everything that you're doing because I feel like we need more young people that are doing the things that you're doing at the effort level that you're doing it and I'm just so like in awe of your like work and your strategy and like your ability to to really like get messages out there in a way that's creative and fun and informative and important. Um, and I just love you. So there's that. Oh my God, Danielle, don't. I'm literally going to cry. <laughs> Leslie. Okay. We have one question left and okay. I'm so curious about this. Cause I don't think we've ever really talked about this. Like, in our meetings and stuff um but I want to know like what your career goals are like what do you what do you want for yourself what do you want for sex ed in Texas like where do you see yourself within this like huge field um that that is kind of like up and coming in the sense that like more people are paying attention I feel like now than ever Mm -hmm. to sex ed so like where do you see yourself in this puzzle Yeah. Okay. Like personal career goals. I feel really happy where I'm at right now, but I do want to find ways to incorporate like physical art into my repro work. Um, because it's something that I've like really like just like stepped away from for so long. And when I was younger, I wanted to do art education and I'm still like thinking of pursuing at some point in time art therapy. Um, but I really want to like bridge the two so that would be really cool um and I mean I feel like uh, I don't know like in terms of sex ed obviously like I want to see like a complete change in like the curriculum in Texas like that would be like chef's kits you know (laughs) um but at the very least if that doesn't happen I hope that the state board of education realizes that there will be pushback if they choose to be on the wrong side of history like people like our communities are going to take matters into our own hands um and create networks to like disperse this information because it's been like taboo for so long you know it's been shamed and like stigmatized and like we're tired of it um and I also like think that like this doesn't just apply to like sex ed but I feel like we're really like at a point right now, especially with COVID that like, we're all, we understand the value of showing up for our communities. So 
if we don't like see the change that we like want or need or deserve, like we know that like we have the power to create it ourselves and even more so like outside of these systems and we're going to do it. So like that is, I feel like what I am thinking about in terms of sex ed in Texas, but also like just in general, like change is like going to come whether people want it to or not. Sex Ed with DB is supported by Pandia Health, the only doctor-led birth control delivery company. Here are some fun facts about Pandia Health. Most birth control is free with insurance or for $15 per pack without. Your birth control comes with free delivery and free goodies, and you can get an online doctor visit if you need it, which is perfect during COVID-19. Go to pandiahealth.com, that's P-A-N-D-I-A health.com and use code sexedfree to get a free telemedicine appointment for the first 50 people who sign up. Offer only valid in Arizona, California, Florida, Texas, and Wyoming. If you're someone in a long distance relationship, quarantine can be especially difficult without your boo. What if you could have an exact replica of your partner's penis or vulva to use as a sex toy? While the year 2020 certifiably blows, at least we have Clona Willie to make our LDR dreams come true. Intrigued? Learn more at www.clonawilly.com and use promo code SEXED20 for 20% off your purchase. Our creator, co-producer, sound engineer, and host is me, Danielle Bezalel, aka DB. Our co-producer and communications lead is Katherine Cohen. Our main logo and banner graphic were created by Andrea Forgotch. Our social media intern is Leslie Lopez. Our music theme is by Hook Sounds. Our ad music is by my stepdad, Bill Gamm. Thank you so much to our featured guests, partners, and our listeners. If you're interested in advertising with us, email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. For more sex ed content, follow us on Insta at sexedwithdbpodcast. Tune in next time.